0: Welcome to the Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast. I'm your host, Brian E., part of the ConcealedCarry.com podcast network. The Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast, we take tel- topics relevant to today's gun owners and we tackle them from the perspective of everyday concealed carriers and law enforcement officers. Today, I'm joined by Daryl Bulkey, and uh, we're going to talk about the most recent events with a school shooting and uh, some preventative measures, school security this will be a special episode. We won't have an episode number. Uh, today's episode's brought to you by CCWSafe.com. Get 10% off your membership with code OffDuty10, EDC Belt Company at EDCBeltCo.com, the Concealed Carry Podcast Giveaway, and the Guardian Conference, which is set for September this year at the Oklahoma City Gun Club. Links are in the show notes. All right. Let's bring in our guest. All right. So, Daryl joining me again. You're getting to be a regular face around here.
1: That happens. It does.
0: Well, you know, <laughs> you're one of the few guys that uh, I'm aware of that's actually worked in the school security industry. And, uh, you know, we talked yesterday, but before yesterday, some of the guests I got coming up that I'd pre recorded shows with said, Hey, man, you need to call Daryl you know, Daryl used to do that for a living. I was like, Oh, okay. I didn't know that, but you know, I didn't, uh, didn't know what your schedule was and we just happened to be free tonight.
1: So that's yeah, an important topic and uh, I'm going kind of nuts with everybody has an opinion. who's never done it before. Oh, wire the, the firearms industry in the news media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so give us a little, uh, backdrop on, um, on what you did with uh, this in the school security realm there?
1: You know, I have kind of a diverse background in it kind of almost like the firearms world. So um, as a cop, when I was working bicycle patrol, one of the things we did is worked extensively with one of our local, local high schools. We had an exceptionally good program considering the school used to be a uh, college campus converted to a high school. So it was wide open. Um, not like what we have today with, you know, some of the way these schools are secured. And they had an extensively good program, not only with an SRO, but a dean of discipline, a proctor who was frightening. And then he, the with proctor and the dean of discipline, was using our bike patrol because they were having a ton of gang problems that we cleaned for them. So that was the kind of initial start with the schools. Then um, on top of it, my wife, the one who had passed away from cancer, my daughter's mother, uh, was an elementary school teacher. Uh, I spent a lot of time decorating classrooms. I was on a school campus almost daily uh, and had a lot of insight into school world from the teacher standpoint, kind of like being a cop's wife. In this case, the teacher's husband. Right. Um, when I retired from law enforcement, I was I was doing a bunch of executive protection and bodyguard work and I got a phone call, uh, that wanted to bring me into a certain situation, uh, with a celebrity client. Um, normally I refuse to work for celebrities because it wasn't worth my time on how I did things. And in this case, I broke my celebrity rule. So, uh, one of the guys I used to work with took over as the detail leader at their home And I was tasked as the team leader at a elementary school that the celebrity family owned. Uh, I had 23 celebrity kids on campus, a fairly small campus, a very, very elite clientele. Uh, It was built for protection of these children and myself and my team was tasked with protecting those children at school. Uh, I did that for up until my wife's uh, cancer declined to the point that I had to be at home full time to take care of her till her death. Uh, but I did spend a year and a half, two years doing that. And uh, on a, you know, on a daily basis. And uh, fast forward uh, up till recently, I was working a security assignment uh, on a Christian private uh, university uh, as well. And I can kind of touch on a couple of different things because watching how the private sector works. Oh, also, I had a a school age kid. I forgot. I was also a uh, A lunch proctor. Well, I was not only a parent, I got recruited to be the lunch proctor. At my daughter's middle school because none of the kids would listen to the moms they recruited for that so i was part of this um big cats program that was parents who were involved and what they assigned me to do is to help the school resource officer manage discipline at lunchtime and uh, it was a huge eye-opener into why we have the discipline problems we have in schools and some of the problems that uh, these SROs face and what some of the issues are in a public school environment with attempting to do some level of security. So but you know, I mean, I was a parent of a daughter who went from you know elementary, middle school, high school all in public all in the public realm, not in you know the high level private places I was working.
0: Right. So I, I had a couple of years there where I worked for a, a middle school as, you know, a uniformed officer, it just, it happened to be in my jurisdiction, although it was another school system that, you know, school systems don't go by city limit boundaries. So, uh, they contracted us to, to work those. And, uh, I was pretty shocked and actually left the job abruptly one day because of, uh, yeah, just, Minor security issues that they refused to correct, and then absolutely disciplinary problems that they refused to take action on. Uh, up into the point you, I had, and
1: you were, and you're always the bad guy.
0: Yeah, uh, up to the point that I had, uh, you know, I had a a, a violent juvenile uh, who they were saying, "Well, you can't put handcuffs on him; that's not nice." And I said, "Well, then he can throw the table through your window for all I care." And I gotten a gotten a bit of a verbal argument with the head principal, and I said, I handed her my security radio, and I said, "Well, if you don't want to let me be police, then now he's your problem." And uh, that resulted in me uh, going self terminating. The
1: yeah. yeah, there you go. Yep, no, I I I know exactly what you're talking about, which is. Part of the reason I kind of wanted to do this, because the way to correctly do this stuff is, you know, everybody's making a ton of noise. And like any system, when you depend on government agencies to have things done right, uh, don't hold your breath. Uh, We are seeing failure after failure after failure after failure at every level with this. And I'll kind of go into the differences on sort of how we handle things in the private sector. Well, how we handle things when we're protecting the children of politicians, the children of the elite and the rich, this is how things are done, or on a, uh, a uh, religious school campus where they uh, the rules have been set down a little differently. So first and foremost is who is your security staff working for? First, first. The problem in most of these cases on these schools is the security, whether that's law enforcement, school resource officers, whatever. uh, If they're working for the school, uh, forget about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The schools are as good as managing security and policing as, you know, and I'm just going to be a little political here, but like Democrats can't run police departments. We know that. Um, well, you just look across the country, and you can see that you know when they're in charge, they don't know what they're doing, and uh, it's an abrupt, uh, just abysmal failure. Um, it's worse when schools are running policing and security, period. So if your security personnel are answering to the school, uh, that's going to be problem number one, and you are going to get uh, – Like many police officers today where they are armed secretaries and documenters of crime, you will simply have armed babysitters who are not very serious and will be uh, succumbing to the whims of the school and the personnel that are running schools uh, who uh, any understanding of countering extreme high-level violence is not in their wheelhouse, but they think it is. So we can start there when I did this and have having been doing this and I'm still on call for some of this stuff. I'm working at church this weekend. I get called to work churches, schools, whatever I'm doing, but I did not work for the school work for a security company. My chain of command was through that company. And my chain of command was to the uh, detail leader of the uh, client. Uh, The school really had no bearing on what I did or vice versa. Now, there was a certain level of respect that went back and forth because it has to. Mm -hmm. uh, But I didn't have to get ordered to do a thing by anybody at the school. Uh, This sort of ties in with um, this attitude we have of hiring and staffing schools with teddy bears. So everybody wants a teddy bear. Um, I look at Parkland as a good example. Everybody said, oh, the guy was a coward. This and that. Let me back up. I was one of the few guys defending that school resource officer in Parkland. You made him deputy of the year. You have thrown this guy accolades for his entire career as officer teddy bear at the school. He's super nice. The school loves him. He's friendly to all the, all of these things. To the point that you made him your deputy of the year. And then you can't figure out why the guy was completely ill-prepared for high-order violence. You you created that. This is the thing you said you wanted, and that's going to be the result. Let me counter that with what we did. The team I ran were all... Pretty much former uh, law enforcement, military, special operations, people, SWAT backgrounds, military spec ops background, that type of thing. Um, The. We did not talk to staff or students outside of courtesy. Hello. Good morning. Something like that. There was no and that was part of what I was brought in to clean up with a previous crew that was there that started acting like school resource officers where they wanted to be involved in every bit of drama at the school and the personnel issues and all of the other BS that goes on, I was brought in to counter that. My rules were this. You don't talk to anybody. Friendly, not friends. You don't involve yourself in anything other than your job. Our job with tasking was if somebody attempts to get on this campus and injure or hurt these children, our job was to kill them was to stop that attack with as much violence as humanly, legally possible to stop that attack. And if you're attacking a school full of children, that's going to probably result in a high-level lethal force incident. So that was our tasking. Now, part of that involved, even though I was the the, uh, team leader on that, most of the time I was in front of the school. I was the number one barrier to entry. Um, if you attempted to violently, uh, get onto that campus, um, I was going to be the one you were dealing with. Now, you got to remember the team, the detail leader was a guy who was one of my SWAT dogs at the police department. He, he was well aware of my shooting ability and my training. That's where I put myself. Um, most people thought it was weird that the, the team leader was not sitting in the office in a chair. Watching video, I had my guys sitting in an office, in an air conditioning office, in a chair, watching video in our bunker. Um, I was the frontline guy. I usually spent eight hours in front of that school um, because I know what my abilities are. By the same token, my guy that's in a bunker uh, with extensive level of video uh, surveillance and stuff, they were expected to be Johnny on the spot that should we have a problem inside the school that he was going to be the immediate response. And I would be back in that play, uh, exceptionally good communications between us. Uh, here was another thing. The reason we didn't have, uh, interaction with the the students and staff, what is the reality of a lot of these shooters?
0: Their students or staff,
1: or related to staff mm. or whatever. The reality is, uh, you know, everybody says they want sheep dogs guarding the sheep. That uh, I can't think of anything dumber. Um, I want lions guarding the sheep from hyenas. But sometimes if you get a bad sheep, the lion's going to need to kill the sheep. The sheep should be as terrified of the lion that's protecting them as the hyenas are. We didn't do active shooter drills. I don't want to train what is my potential threat on what our response is. See, we get these kids, particularly in high school, who, you know, just are, are on anti-psychotic drugs. They got every problem in the world. When they come back to shoot the school up or whatever they're going to do on level of violence, you know, we just trained them from the time they were little children on what the response is going to be if somebody comes to shoot the school up. Yeah. We are literally training active shooters to be really good active shooters. You know who doesn't need to know what the response is? The active shooters.
0: right?
1: Now, now, staff probably needs to be in on the equation, but the reality is why are we training children who grow up for years of getting a decade of training and experience at, at, at being good su- at being good suspects. Yeah. You know, so one of the things we did is we never looped the kids in on what our responses. Um, those kids were, were banned from calling us guards. Uh, we were, we were treated as protective agents. Um, so, and then our, our interaction with staff was through the principal period other than good morning. Hi, how you doing? Whatever. Uh, there was no, uh, some teacher who doesn't like people with guns, they don't get a say in this, Yeah, you know, just leave us alone. We'll leave you alone. The whole world's delicious. You know, I'll do whatever we can to save your life. If something bad happens, um, by the same token, uh, we never had a discussion about guns ever. The expectation of my people was nobody ever sees one. Yeah. Period. Um, I had to have a discussion at one point with the uh, guy running the company, and I said, look, we've got a problem that what I'm seeing is a lot of these protective agents that we're getting through are as dangerous with their firearms handling and as big a threat to our clients and these kids as they are to any bad guy. You know what's nice about the private sector? When you tell the owner of the company who cares something like that, you know what we did? You didn't have to retain them. No, no. Daryl, set up a training program and fix it. It got fixed. It's like we're going to do a training program on how to safely handle firearms because you know where all of these people came from? Law enforcement or the military, and they had terrible, terrible gun handling habits. Yeah. So we had to get in and fix that to make them professional gun carriers. We had to do stuff that was always taking into account that we're working around children with firearms, uh, the legalities of a lot of this stuff. In the private sector, we were allowed to basically fix a lot of the problems that will never get fixed in public service. And the other thing is, is guess who doesn't get to be there? If you're an incompetent moron, you don't work for me. Yeah. It's that simple. Our guys were extremely well paid. Um, We were paid like professionals and we were paid not for what we did. I stood in front of a school for eight hours a day.
0: Paid for what you might have to do.
1: And and for what my skill set is and the the ability to maintain that skill set. Additionally, because I was the uh, team leader, I was also tasked with, I was responsible, I was the entire details intelligence officer. So I did extensive intelligence. Let me tell you, that is one of the most important aspects of this. I knew every single parent who had a stalker. I knew who had restraining orders on them and against them. I knew the family histories of these, the, the individuals on campus, that there might be some issues. And again, this is why we only interacted with a principal. Um we did background investigations. We kept track of threats to the campus, which were extensive. Um, I, would de- I had to deal with anonymous on a regular basis, uh, which was a interesting tasking all its own. I had to deal with paparazzi. I had to deal with stalkers. I had to deal with things most people will never deal with with their kids uh, on your kids' campuses. By the same token, I had the resources to do that. We also tapped into intelligence networks within law enforcement um, that, without going into great detail, we also faced some very, very extensive threats that, luckily, we were not the primary. We were a secondary uh, target on this. Luckily, the primary was dealing with another school detail that was not only as good as our people were, they had a better intelligence network because they were using a foreign intelligence network. Mm. Um yeah, if I said Israelis, you'd be right.
0: well, <laughs> yeah, so man.
1: so again, these are people who are using their intelligence networks to find people who are threats to children, who are threats to school, who are to- threats to houses of worship, as opposed to using your intelligence network to monitor. Domestic terrorists that are people who don't like critical race theory for their kids and they stand up at a school board meeting. Those are our this is where we're tasking our intel Uh, political opponents, everything but a bunch of psychotic, crazy kids who are doing. Now, we have all the capability in the world to monitor this stuff or to at least be pulling this stuff out of social media. That's not what social media is doing. That's not what the algorithms are doing. That's not what any of this is ever happening on a level. There are people who are doing it, who are trying awfully hard, and are very good at it. But the powerhouse political power that we need to make that happen is not interested in doing that. We gave our intelligence networks an immense amount of freedom and power after 9-11 to deal with terrorists in this country and domestic terrorist attack, of which I consider every one of these lunatics who goes and shoots up a school, house of worship, whatever, this is who we should be focused on. It's not. We're using this stuff for everything but that, and we end up with these problems. So, again— Jurisdictionally, these things become issues. Well, I'm looking at what's going on down in Evalde, and it's a nightmare of jurisdictional stuff. You know, you got the school district police chief running this operation. You got a bunch of BORTAC guys there. Thank God for them, but it's a jurisdictional if, issue. Texas
0: DPS?
1: If, yeah, I imagine if Oklahoma City SWAT, where you were at, was on a, a barricade active shooter event at uh, Oklahoma city elementary school, you know, who's not getting invited to that party anybody You know, the else. Feds showed up. Well, the feds show up and go, we're taking over. No, you're not. You know, that's just, so in this case, at, at some point that, uh, common sense or, uh, bravado, I don't know which yet it's going to come out later. Either common sense said these Bortat guys are probably better qualified to handle this than anybody we have here right now, or the Bortat guys said, screw this, Operation that they've got and this is a cluster we're going in. So we'll find out at some point. But again, a lot of these are jurisdictional problems between school districts who are ill prepared for this kind of stuff because they're politically driven by school boards. Mm-hmm. You know, local police agencies who, you know, that that's its own nightmare these days of what their priorities are. So again, the big problem is we don't take this seriously. We need to look at the Israelis if we want to see this taken seriously. I did in the night I did in a, the
0: 19- go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I did a, a, a bit of study on uh how their their campuses run and uh how the oh I think it's the the Jewish educational centers in the US, how they're they're tied in with the, the exact same model that they use in Israel. Uh um, bingo.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they,
0: they are constantly monitoring threats. A and B, they're um, they're secure facilities. Um, and I've seen some local uh, some local schools here that uh, you know I don't want to mention names, but uh, that that hire really proficient cops that are retired and have badge access entry. Uh, you know. You've got to stand in front of a camera and get buzzed in to come pick your kid up, stuff like you that.
1: Know, and this comes down to will. We can do this if we want to, but the thing is, all the people who have the that are holding the purse strings for this stuff are either the elites who are doing this with private schools that their kids go to, or the politicians that are only concerned at the schools their kids go to. See, they don't give a ho- hoot about everybody else's school. Now, they'll get the Department of Education involved for making sure your kids eat healthy meals, which I having worked the uh, lunch in a junior high school, that's all going in the trash, all their healthy food. But they can't get involved, in these things need to be probably federally funded and handled either like we do the air marshals or how we handle court, federal courthouse security. Yeah, you look at the shooting standards of the of the air marshals. This is what needs to happen. These are the, these are who your school marshals need to be. Is they need to have these kind of standards. They have no problem finding highly qualified personnel who are retired police officers, military people, you know, to work in you know, courthouses, federal courthouses. Good luck getting in a federal courthouse with a gun. How often do you see that happen?
0: Well, I, I've i been in there fully in uniform, full <laughs> credentials, and they go, drop it in the bucket, you know,
1: pal. <laughs> you know, know? And, I, I, and I have a little bit of experience with that as I was bodyguarding federal judges. So I got a pretty good idea that, you know, good luck with that. Why is a federal courthouse more important than your kid's local school and the last school they care about you know i I feel bad and i'm not trying to reign discontent i I feel horribly bad down in nevalde you know you look at a community that's been decimated by what's going on on the border you know they're dumping all of these kids into the school systems they don't have the money or resources to handle that are coming over the border their entire system is taxed because the feds aren't doing their job They're losing law enforcement, guys, because they're either down there working on the border for Texas DPS or they're in the National Guard being deployed or they're doing everything but sitting in their own communities where they're supposed to be because everybody's dropped the ball. Who, Mm -hmm. Who holds the ball? And then we're sending billions of dollars to every country on the planet for everybody else's problems. But we can't protect our schools. All we want to talk about is gun control, which will work as well as fentanyl control does. Yeah. And. Well, if we banned AR-15s, you mean like fentanyl's banned? You mean like that? It'll work just that good. Um, Now, you know, I'm up for if you want to do something reasonable that works, but we're not. Everything we've done, you got 20,000 gun laws. None of it's working. Um, You know, 2021, we had, I believe, four active shooter events stopped by citizens engaging the shooter. So four of those events were stopped by people with guns and zero of those events was stopped by legislation on the books for guns. Yeah. There's, there's all you need right there is zero there. There's zero. They're batting a hundred percent of none of this is stopping what you wanted to stop.
0: And I, so, I got to interject, you know, on the, uh, on the gun thing, because I'm intimately familiar with it as are you. Uh, there's been several times in my career that I've had a, you know, a call to a, uh, a forty four seventy three problem, the old yellow sheet or the white sheet that you fill out when you're going to do a nicks check. Well, this guy's nicks check said that, you know, he checked, no, I'm not a convicted felon over here. And the nicks system said he was, and I take that and I put that into evidence and write a report about it. Whatever happens with it. There were so we get 12 six. in 2021, 12 out of 14,000, that were ever prosecuted.
1: At one point we had 60,000 plus uh, refusals on uh, Nick's background checks of which they prosecuted about 40. Um, As soon as you say the word background enhanced backgrounds or background check, anything, you know what, the day you prosecute Hunter Biden for violating it, then you can come talk to me until (laughs) that dude's in jail or sitting in front of a federal court. I don't want to talk about it because you're not serious about it. You know, the only people it affects are decent people, magazine bands. The only people that affects are people like you and me who will actually follow the rules. Yeah. Uh, so whatever they're going to do, the only people it'll affect is decent people. So, you know, getting back to this, the, the problem is, is again, we're not setting these up with any level of seriousness. You need a, if they want to be serious, they need to treat this kind of post 9-11 at the airport. Now, We certainly need to do better than TSA, which a lot of that going on is Kabuki theater. However, the airports also have exceptionally good profilers. They they do Mm -hmm. good intelligence and the air marshal program is some of the best feds I've seen. As far as that goes, I mean, they definitely now they had some growing pains in the beginning. They have problems like everybody else. But the reality is in concept is really good. Um, My thing has been is this on a, if you really want to address this problem, it needs to be treated just like we did in the private sector. You need exceptionally good personnel who are tasked with one thing and one thing only. And that is to protect the children from extreme level violence period uh if you want involvement in uh, you know teen uh soap opera drama at school uh little assaults uh sexual accusations and stuff those are local police problems or they are administrative school problems they are not and that's why i said these people need to work for somebody other than the school and the local cops and need one tasking which is protecting children from high level violence just like if you screw up on an airplane with a federal air marshal on there, yeah, they're not getting involved because you're not happy with, with the, uh, you know, it, you didn't get enough ice with your drink or whatever problems going on. They're not concerned about uh, seating arrangements and stuff. As soon as you pass a certain line, if an air marshal's gotten get involved, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to get shot or you're going to federal or you're going to jail. With yeah. the feds. Yo, they're coming on the plane and arresting you the second it lands. Those are the only two results, which this needs to be tasked exactly the same. By the same token, um, having extremely good intelligence professionals working within this stuff is critical. We got some genius level people out there who I'm sure can come up with every algorithm you need to start tagging social media to figure out. A bunch of what's going on ahead of time. Um, Volunteer people, people want to volunteer to help doing this. Now, I don't want those to be our shooters. And I'll give you an example. One of the churches I work at, these guys are really smart. They hire people like me to be their church security people. We have one job. We have one job. Our job is to deal with high level violent offenders, period. That's it. They have first responders through the church who are the church security volunteers. They get good medical training. They're there in case somebody loses a kid. Has uh, a heart you know, attack. Yeah. Yeah, wh- whatever. Um, they're there to help us if we need it. You know, if we're dealing with a violence problem, they're going to be the ones who are evacuating people out of the church, whatever. But our people are there for one thing. They pay us to do that rather than you know having somebody ill-equipped for that job. All of our guys are, 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 are stone-cold pros. Uh, same thing with the college campus I've worked on. I worked for a great guy that went to the college people. He said, look, I'm going to be real honest with you. My guys are going to cost you double a regular security guard. And the only reason you're able to afford them is what, the, what his guys do is we work some pretty serious stuff, you know, riots, things like that. But when we work for church groups, we work for half of what we normally would be paid. It's our sort of donation to the church. It's our donation to a charity. It's our way to do something good is literally we're taking 50 percent of what we should be making and basically donating it back to them because it's a skill we have. So I'm working for half of what I normally do. But we're getting those schools get charged for like double what their previous security was. And my guy, they tell him the thing. He goes, look. We're going to have one guy there instead of the two unarmed, you know, horrible security you had before. My guys are good for one thing. They will protect your children. They're going to protect your kids on that campus and are are well established in dealing with, with violence. You're not going to like the way they look because they got beards. A bunch of them are fully tatted, stuff like that. They are carrying guns overtly carrying real guns, big guns. They are going to be wearing war belts. And they're there for one purpose, to protect your kids. And, you know, we had a lot of the same problems everybody else did. You know, the kids are sitting there, you know, sneaking out after curfew and, and, you know, uh, sticking stuff in to keep the doors open. All of the stuff you're going to face that, you know, we, we try to take up. But that's, you know, a lot of that can be, uh dealt with through technology that for example when somebody bars the door open an alarm needs to go off in somebody's office right that's why you have people monitoring that um i work for a one of the most elite or one of the highest end tech oligarchs in the country i got a door that we're working with on the project i'm on that we have to put uh We have to bar the door open for what we're doing. I get a call from global security. Why is the door open? Because they've got an alarm that tells them the door's open. Yeah. They get an alarm that people are going through and they're not uh, tagging their ID to go through because everybody has to ID themselves going through. They call, they say, hey, where's where are we going? So, you know, it's like, hey, we've got one of our uh, our high-end security personnel on that is sitting literally at that door. Okay, the door can stay in that condition. We'll write the alarm off as long as you have one of these people sitting at the door. Right. And so, but again, the second that door gets barred open, they get a phone call. Yeah. Immediately, that why the door stuck open. You, well, we don't have that capability for anywhere else. We're giving these schools during COVID, we gave them a bazillion dollars yeah. that a lot of this could have got in. And the other thing is, I've been predicting this for years, for the last two years. We are creating, we created some absolute monsters during COVID. And I blame two groups of people. The Centers for Disease Control, for locking all these people out of school. These are very at-risk kids and the teachers union who decided we were going to be non-essential last responders. We took all these kids out of school for a couple of years, particularly in the schools where we got problems. We put them behind a computer. A lot of these kids don't come from elite, wonderful, perfect homes where mommy and daddy got them a new laptop and they're on the big new windows or, mac whatever going to school and mom and dad are checking and stuff a lot of these kids parents are working both of them these kids are left to their own devices most of them are using dope they've got there isn't anybody i know who didn't have some sort of problems myself included going through middle school and high school it's a difficult time for every single kid in this country traditionally always has been um nobody gets through that age period scot-free and you look what we did to these kids for two years Mm -hmm. to every one of them of taking them out of an environment that is is kind of a safe place to deal with it or or set up and and to deal with these kind of issues and we left them at home with non-prescription pharmaceuticals and the internet and we wonder why we've got 18 year old monsters wandering around this kid in you disappeared from school two years ago yeah disappeared poof yeah so
0: let's round it out with what are three things that you would do what in db's world what are three things that you would do to fix it
1: Uh, First thing I would do is through the Department of Education Or the Justice Department One of the two is establish a school marshal program Uh, This would be available to every school in the country It's going to cost them a whole lot of money But it's less than we sent to Ukraine And would require as part of that program That schools have available to them school marshals Uh, It is an absolutely perfect job for all of these retired SWAT cops, hard hitters, uh, we just kicked all these people out of law enforcement. Um, the amount of retirements, uh, mm-hmm. you know, people are just like, I'm done with this. Uh, there's a zillion of them floating around out there who are really good at dealing with high order violence. And it's a pretty good schedule. It's Monday through Friday, weekends and holidays off. You're home at night, you get the summer off. You know, These are people who enjoy boredom because it's not boredom to them. It's nothing bad is going on. That's a good thing. They've got all that out of their system. They tend to be more mature, have very good understanding of use of force. Uh, You would have to set some exceptional standards for uh, use of force training and shooting. Um, But there's a a pool of them out there, plus the military special operations or combat vets we can pool that also – in some sort of training program. So again, we, we we need to put people in these schools who are quite capable at immediately and without hesitation dealing with violence. Number two, uh, we need that needs to come in with an intelligence tasking behind it with exceptionally good uh, security or uh, intelligence analysts, completely directed at this specific issue and the tech people to back them up, and willingness. We we just need to protect the children of this country like they're all VIP kids, like they're all the children of celebrities or politicians, like they're all the children of the rich. That needs to happen, and it's not. (laughs) And, you know, it's all service stuff again i've done it i know how to do it right um you know i you just have to have the the right tasking the right personnel and the right priorities and again that priority needs to be the life of these kids
0: all right thanks db for joining us on a uh, special episode This one's not going to have a number, ladies and gents, but uh, the links are in the show notes all the same. Reminder to check out our sponsor, EDC Belt Co. Foundation Belt. CCW Safe, 10% off. It's at uh, Off Duty 10. Concealed Carry Podcast giveaway. Sign up weekly. And guardian conference come and learn to do some uh, good work with uh, your pistol come to the guardian conference plus you'll meet some lifelong friends there and you guys will get to meet michael burgess so <laughs> if you haven't already please subscribe to the podcast on itunes google play spotify or wherever you like to listen to podcasts the off duty on duty podcast is a production of eastridge training and consulting llc Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC, presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions, follow all firearm safety rules, consult with a competent firearms instructor, and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel When researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application, Eastridge training and consulting LLC, its participants, partners and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.